Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. You know, as a 17-year-old boy, as I was looking for my future forever girlfriend, there are things that I looked for in that, that lady, that girl, that one day I soon, and I had and been on the hunt since I knew there was a girl in the world. Um, and, you know, you have these things like, well, I hope one day it's, it's that girl and we, where we like the same things, and she, has, she looks pretty, and she has brown hair, and, and maybe, she, you know, she'll like the same kind of movies I like, action movies. And, you know, those are the things that you hope one day you marry that person that's going to like everything you like and becomes who you want her to be. And one thing that I never thought of when I was looking and, and, and in the mode of, I hate to say hunting, but sometimes that's what we do. I never thought I'd marry a girl who loves plants. That really is on my list. Like, man, I hope she's, you know, she likes this. I hope she looks like this. I hope she does these things. And, man, I really hope she loves plants. But the woman I married loves plants. It wasn't on my top ten list, but that's who she is. She loves them. And, and so I think she got that, that green thumb from her grandma, her grandma Doss, who, who if you were ever at her house, she had green plants everywhere on her patio. It was covered. And it, it, was, it was amazing. And so one of the things when her grandma passed away, Laramie got some of those plants. And one of those plants was a ficus tree. Ficus. Everybody say ficus with me right now. Ficus tree. When was the last time you ever said the word ficus? We don't say it. My wife and I, we also have a fiddly fig in our house. Who came up with the names of trees? I didn't, but fiddly fig, it's a beautiful tree thing in our house that it's very temperamental. If it doesn't get the right kind of sun, if it gets too much air conditioning blowing on it, Oh my gosh, come on, it's like a teenage kid. Um, but so we have this ficus. And, and so at her grandma's house, it grew to about four feet tall. And then we brought it over to our house and it was sitting on our patio, the exact same position it was at her grandma's house. So it got the same sun. We were trying to make sure it had a seamless transition in life. But then its leaves began to yellow. I called a plant guy. Adam, this tree cannot die. This tree, is, it means so much to my wife. I need it to live. What do we need to do? And he comes and he looks at it and he says, Jeremiah, if you don't plant it, it will die. That tree cannot survive in the pot that it's in. If you don't plant it, it will die. So my wife and I had this decision, well, this tree means a lot. What if we move? I think one of the hesitations was, what if we move from this house? See, it's portable now. It becomes permanent when it's in the dirt. But my wife knew, if we don't plant it, it's going to die. So what did we do? We planted it. And here's the tree. We, plant, we planted it February 2017. This was the day. He told me, Jeremiah, when you plant it, you cannot prune it back. You cannot cut it. You just got to water it. And so that's what we did. We planted it. We left it alone. We let it grow. And then four years later, I want you to look at this tree now. Same tree. You see, but if, if we would have been too scared to plant it, if we would have been so comfortable leaving it alone where it was, it was going to die. And I wonder how many of us are so comfortable in the life we're living. So comfortable with what we have. Yet little by little, every day we're dying. Little by little, every day we're not thriving, we're not going, we're not living our purpose. So I wonder how many of us, that same statement is true for you. If you're not planted... You will die. So that's my question for you. Where you're at? Are you planted? Are you comfortable in the pot that you're in? Because if you're not planted, you too will die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. 
God, you are a good God. And Lord, you don't want us to die. Lord, that's not, you, you've set us for eternal life. That's what you desire to give each and every one of us, Lord. That's why you had your son Jesus to die on a cross so that we might have life and have it everlasting. But Lord, some of us, we're, we're sort of satisfied in our life, yet we don't realize it's killing us every day. So Lord, wherever we're at in this room, God, I pray that you would challenge us and draw us closer to yourself. God, I pray that we would see you in a whole new way. God, that we would be planted, that we would go deep and we'd look into what that means. Lord, I pray that this morning as we get into your word, speak to our hearts so that we might see the purposes that you've called us to. Each and every person in this room, Lord, is called to something special and something different. Lord, I pray that we would live it. And Lord, not just people in this room, but people in rooms all over the valley are hearing your word today. Lord, whether they're at North Valley, Valley Life, Cross Church, Calvary Community, wherever your people are sitting, speak so that we as Christians might live life on purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to this series. This series is just something that's, I've, it, it's been one I've been chewing on and trying to figure out where do I want to go. And then as I've been working on it this week, God's really been just showing me some great things. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. But my name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View Church. And I just want to say welcome. You know, as you've heard us say, this is the perfect place for imperfect people. We are. And I love it when, when, when somebody texts me like, Jeremiah, I need help with this. Or Jeremiah, my wife and I, we need counseling. Or Jeremiah, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like, why would it be awesome? Because we realize we're broken and we need help putting our lives back together. I love my counselor, Dr. Bob. I'm looking forward to one day when he actually sees me in person and not over a video because I like people. But it's important. And, and so, but as we go into this, this series, we're looking at your purpose. What is your purpose? What does it look like? And how can we live our life on purpose? How can we do this? And, and what is it that we need to do? Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8 speak on this. You see, this tree, as you guys turn there, go ahead. This tree, it, its purpose is one day to, to grow Meyer lemons. My wife and I bought it yesterday because I, I wanted a tree for my illustration, but I also want something that we want to keep. So she wants a Meyer lemon tree, so you're going to see it for three weeks. It better not die because that would be a really bad illustration. Then, And then on March 7th, when I finish the series, that Sunday, hopefully, I will plant that, this tree in the ground so that it can live. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, reads like this. This is what the Lord said. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have, and have made, their, made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along riverbanks with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of, of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Here, in, in these four verses, we see two types of lives, two ways of living. We see a life that is cursed and a life that is blessed. Now, cursed is a strong word, isn't it? It's, it's, a, like, it's like, whoa, I don't want to be cursed. Now, this is not like a curse like Snow White or whoever's the, who, I don't remember which one did the prick on the finger and my son, Ezra, knows all the evil and the good and Evie. And the, there's the one who pricks her finger. That's not Cinderella. Sleeping Beauty. See, thank you. You guys know all of them. I don't. I just know somebody dies or somebody has to be kissed by somebody. We think that's a curse. Well, that's not really what it's talking about. Curse is the opposite of blessing. But how many of you have ever seen, in, maybe in your life or in a life surrounding you, somebody who's living their life for the wrong things. 
and, and it, it, you look at their life, and they're wondering, why are things never working out for me? And they're always chasing the wrong thing. Have you ever seen that? It's like everything in their life, they, 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 they surround themselves with people that are doing things they shouldn't be doing, and they wonder, why do I always get sucked doing the wrong thing? They, they wonder, why am I always getting caught? Why am I in trouble? And you look going, really? Do you not see, like, you're planted around a bunch of weeds, Jeremiah here, as he writes the words of the Lord, he says, this is what the Lord says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and rely on human strength. And I think so many of us, we can put our trust in our own strength, in our own abilities, and in the ability of those around us. And so many times what happens when we do that is they let us down, we stumble, and we fall. And then it says, they are like stunted How many of you have have ever felt stunted in your life? Stunted in your marriage? Stunted as a man or a woman? Stunted as as maybe in college, you're just trying to figure out what's next? Stunted in your parenting, you just feel like you can't grow anymore. And, And that tree that my wife and I had, it got to a point where it could not grow anymore. It was stunted. The leaves started to yellow, and my wife began to panic because the last thing she wanted to do was see this plant that she cared so much about, she, she didn't want it to die. Now, my, if you ever come to our house, we have green plants everywhere, everywhere. My wife loves living things, loves living things. I didn't know I'd ever love a woman that loved living things as much as Laramie, but I do. But you see, that pot that it was comfortable in, was stunting its growth. And Jeremiah writes, when, when we are so focused on making sure those people around us are making us happy or when, when we have the wrong influences, it says it's stunting our growth. Do you ever feel stunted in your job and in your purpose? That's where Laramie's tree was. It was stunted. And like, just like Adam said, the, the planter, he said, Jeremiah, if you don't plant it, it will die. I say to you, if you're not planted and trusting in God, you will die. You will die unhappy and not satisfied in life. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how do we live our life on purpose. So we're going to be looking at, and I'm going to have three different people in the business world come up and sort of share their testimony about how they're fulfilling their life purpose in the work that they're doing. And how that is fulfilling what God has put on their heart. And the, the reality is, just like this plant, it may feel comfortable in here, but if I don't plant it soon, it's going to die. And you may be cruising through life, but you too, and you may not physically just keel over and die one day. But the crazy thing is, I've seen it happen. I've seen people so focused on work, making money, that they live such stress-filled lives that they die being stressed out. But I'm not just talking about a physical death. I'm talking about little by little your own soul dying because you're not satisfying that call that God has on your heart. Now, planting the shirt, this tree, when we planted, it wasn't this tree, but when we planted that tree that Laramie had, I'm sure it was uncomfortable for that tree because to actually do what needs to be done, you have to actually cut the pot apart. And then not only that, you have to dig this hole of new dirt and new areas and new spaces, and that's uncomfortable being anywhere new. How many of you have ever been somewhere new? And you're like, this feels weird and uncomfortable. Let me tell you, starting a church, that was new to me. Going, I may be outgoing, but you put me in a room with a bunch of people I don't know, I can fake it but I get nervous too. You think, no, you don't. Oh, I do. Because you guys make me nervous, and you're weird. But so am I, so we can be all weird together, and we'll be okay. But you see, for this, for when we planted that, that tree, Adam had to cut the pot, and you know what he had to do to the roots? He had to break them apart. He had to break them apart. So that the roots could grow deep and so the roots could become what it needs to be. You see, if we want to find our purpose, then we have to be planted. 
We have to be planted first in God and trusting in God and trust who God is and trust that he has a good plan for your life and trust that he's going to do something good in your life. You have to trust him. Trust that he's going to, he has a plan for your marriage, that he's a plan for your parenting, that he's a plan for your your life as a single person. He has a plan for your schooling. He has, he has a plan for you. Wherever you are, he has a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you, just for you, that he created it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's not going to be up behind you because I'm quoting it right now. And somebody needs to know that. You are created for something bigger and more than you think. And, and, and so many times we confuse that with, you mean like being a pastor? Because I'm never called to that. No. When you hear Rob come up in a little bit, you're going to hear how he's fulfilling his purpose in the workplace. You see, God is wanting to do something in you, but are you okay with being upset a little bit? You see, growth comes with growth pains. I remember growing up as a kid, I'd wake up, and I don't remember, I was, had to have been like 11, 12, 13 years old, but I remember waking up and my legs killing me. Anybody ever experienced those growth pains? And you just cry, Right? And my dad, I'd go into my dad's room, and I'd wake him up. He was always the one to wake up with me. And he'd give me a banana. I don't know why a banana. He always said, because you need potassium. I'm like, what the? He also told my brother, Matt, once, he's like, my dad's like, or Matt's like, I need those magic pills. And my dad's like, all right, here you go. And he imaginarily handed him some pills. And I'm like, dad, is the banana like those pills, except I can actually eat it? And he goes, no, no, it actually helps you. So I'd wake up, and my dad, I'd have these growth pains in my legs, and he'd give me a banana, and then he'd rub my shins. Growth comes with pain. I could have said, no, I don't want to grow then, and then I, I wouldn't. But, but growth to really become, you go through painful things sometimes. And that's in every stage. I experienced that as a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid. And then guess what? I experienced again as a 17, 18-year-old. Then I experienced again as a 20, 20, 25, 26, 27-year-old. Then I experienced again as a 35, 36-year-old. Then I'm experiencing now as a 42-year-old. I don't know what 45 looks like. Um, somebody can tell me. Tony can probably tell me how that's like. Um, and then... <laughs> Just messing. Tony is the oldest person in my office, but it's, it's just fun. It's all jokes. But here's the thing. Growth always comes with fruit. It may take a while. Like that tree, if you could show me the first tree. That tree, the day we planted it, it's only like four or five feet tall. But what's amazing is four years later, Look at the tree. Now, I could have taken a picture of it a week later, and I could be disappointed because that's what so many of us do with our life. God, you're not doing anything. God's like, just be patient. So you may be frustrated. Maybe you're in college or you're a single person going, what's next, God? I'm sure that tree, if we took a picture one week later, I'd be like, honey, it's dying. Adam, the planter guy, says, no, it's not dying. It's getting used to its new surroundings. Be patient. And a year later, we didn't even notice. At some point, we didn't even pay attention. I didn't really notice how much it grew until I took a picture of it this week. And I was like, oh, dang. Look at that thing. It's taken over my house. And I also noticed I've got to prune it, which that's part of next week's sermon. So you see, but growth comes with fruit. So God says, man, cursed is he who just is surrounded by those that they shouldn't be surrounded with. And you will be like a, a shrub that is, that is stunted. And so many of us were stunted. So we're like, so maybe you're thinking, okay, how do I not be stunted in my life? How can I not be stunted in my growth? How can I grow? What, what do I need to do next? One, you must be planted or you will die. If you are not planted in God, trusting in the truths of God, you will die. That is the truth. So that's your first step. If you're not planted, you will die. You're all planted in something. Some of you, you're stuck in a pot. Some of you, are surrounded by weeds. Some of you, you just started this journey with God, and you've got to be patient because God's going to move. And here's what a blessed life looks like. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 says this. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. 
They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. There is a blessing for those who are planted in God. Planted in God means you trust him with your life. There's a blessing that comes with that. A blessing in that life. For us to truly be rooted, we've got to put our faith and trust in him. Jeremiah says this in, in this book, Jeremiah chapter 17. He says, you are blessed when you trust and when you hope in him. You see, this tree can trust in this pot. This tree can trust this pot. I bought this tree yesterday. Yesterday was windy. How many of you were out in that wind? It was annoying, wasn't it? It was not fun. It wasn't cool. And I brought this tree, and I put it outside because I'm like, I don't want to unarm the building, and I'm, I'm being super lazy. I just want to put it outside. I put it outside, and guess what the wind did to it? Knocked it over. Because this pot, is, it's decent. It's good, but it's, it's not going to be the foundation it needs. This pot cannot fully satisfy and help this tree fulfill its purpose. It can't. I'm going to have to make this tree get uncomfortable in two weeks. That's going to happen. Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse 8, he says, but a tree who trusts, a tree who puts its hope it says, that tree, those trees, as they are like a tree, that person is like a tree planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never, they never stop producing fruit. God says, when you are planted, growth happens. Growth happens. And I know that once I plant this, that my wife will get Meyer lemons. Meyer lemons, I hear we, we pick that because somebody told us that you can eat them just like an orange. Siri, we just did it because somebody else told us it's a good idea. If they lied, curses will be upon them. I'm not kidding. I, I spent 50 bucks on this tree. I am kidding. But you see, what happens is the heat still is going to come. Because in life, the heat still comes. But, but God says that the tree doesn't have to worry. In life, storms still come. They still come. How, have you ever, how many of you have been through a storm this week? They still come. How many of you have been through a storm in your life, period? You're like, this week was actually pretty good. But you've been through storms and you're like, how many of you have been through one? The storms come. They're faithful. They come. And, and here Jeremiah says, he says, the storms will come. The heat will come. But when you trust in God, when you trust in him, you will be blessed. But if you're so satisfied in the little pot that you have, you will die. And there's some of us in here today, we are sort of living this life thinking I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to do my stuff. I'm going to be the dad and I'm going to be the best thing. And this orange tree or lemon tree, it could say, you know, I'm going to be the best lemon tree, but I know the best thing for it is that it has to be planted or else it's going to die. And I know the best thing for each and every person in this room. If you are not planted, if you are not rooted in God, you will die. That's just the truth. It's the truth about every life. Because the storms will come, the dry times will come, the tough times will come. And this tree, at some point, it will get knocked down, it will get trampled, it will dry up, and it will die. My friend across the street, they have a ficus tree just like ours. And this summer's heat, it beat that tree up. The whole west side of the tree was dead by the end of August. Because the heat killed it. But guess what it looks like now? It's a beautiful, lush, green ficus. Because its roots go deep. It's probably breaking the foundation of their house. But the roots go deep. See, the only way for you to bear fruit 
the only way for you to have a fruitful life, the only way for you to look at your life and go, man, you know what? I feel like I'm getting it. I feel like it's, things are changing. I feel like life is getting better. I feel like even though the storm came, I still got through it. The only way is when this tree is planted deep. To truly know your purpose, you have to trust what you're planted in. You can trust this pot all you want, but you'll never, this tree will never know its full purpose. Just like my wife's tree. It was in a pot. The pot was big. We, we moved it from a small pot to a bigger pot. Hoping that might help because she loved it on the back patio. But the planter guy said, this is not meant for a back patio. It's meant for the ground. You're not meant for a shelf. You're meant for the ground. You're meant to grow. You're meant to do so much more than I'm sure many of us can ever imagine or dream. And this is what David says in Psalm. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. He says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you put your trust in the Lord, God promises things to us. He promises safety. He promises prosperity. Not prosperity like you're going to go and have the nicest truck and all the nice stuff, but he's going to bless your life. God really is going to bless your life. Now, it may not look how you think, but it's going to look better than you could ever imagine. I look at my life, and I am very blessed. I'm so thankful. I don't have everything I want, but I have everything I need. And I'm thankful for, for those things and what God is doing in me, and I'm thankful for that. When this is, this is also talking about when it says that you're, in everything you do, you're prospering. He's talking about that prospering in the Lord and understanding your faith, and your faith will grow, and your trust in him will grow. That's really what it's talking about, that the more this tree trusts in the dirt that it's planted, and when I put it in the dirt, the more its roots grow deeper, the more it will prosper, the more it will trust the ground, the more it will grow, the more it will trust the ground, the more it will grow, the deeper it will go, so that when the storms come, it says, I can delight in God. You see, when we delight, when our delight is in God, our purpose is made clear. When we realize our purpose is to please him. I think many of us, we make our purpose so confusing. This tree can't be like, okay, what, should I grow pomegranates? No, you can only grow Meyer lemons. Oh, but should I be a bush? No, you, you're not called to be a bush. You're called to this. And we can look going, okay, God, what, what, we, we, we can be so confusing. God, when it talks about purpose, is the only thing to be a married person. No. Some people will never get married. But America and our society has, has put this, this thing like your call as a single person is one day to be a married person. That's it. Yeah. For some people. And maybe it's like, okay, I know when I get married, the next thing everybody always asks is, so when are you going to have kids? I remember the same grandma months later said, so when are you guys going to have kids? And Larry goes, I don't know if we'll ever have kids. And that grandma did not like that answer. I won't say what she said out of respect, but she didn't like it. But we can put this pressure on our job. One day when I get this job, and, and there's this quote that I haven't said, but I'm going to say it here. When our purpose and significance are rooted in God, we can stand secure. When your purpose, your significance, your job or whatever, when it's rooted in God, knowing no matter what, God, you are who I am, and I want to please you with my life, and I will live my life for you, you know what? Then you can stand secure. But it's when our purpose and significance are in anything else, you will fall. Because if your purpose and significance are wrapped up in your title at your job, and you lose that job, you will fall. When your purpose, purpose and significance are wrapped up in your beauty and how you look, and all of a sudden one day you don't have that anymore, you will fall. When your purpose and significance are wrapped up in, in whatever else it might be, and one day your marriage and your kids, and one day you don't have that, and it falls, and it, it falls apart, you could easily lose your identity. But your identity is not in what you do. It's in who you know, and that's Jesus Christ. And he says, you're my child. That's it. That's it. You see, your purpose, it's not a destination. It's a process. We all have a divine, universal purpose. And that... It's to be fruitful and to live a life for him. We also have a unique purpose, each and every one of us in here. 
You have a unique purpose. At your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhoods, wherever you are, God has you there for a reason. And that purpose changes over time. When you're a student in school, you have a purpose. You have a purpose at school. When you are a college student, you have a purpose. When you're a newly married couple, you have a purpose. When you're an old married couple, you have a purpose. When you are a matured married couple and you're in years past me, you have a purpose. I would like you guys to welcome up my good friend Rob Street to come up to the stage. You know, there's people who live life. Rob lives life on purpose. Like there's, he, he, what he does for work, and, and he, he's, he's going to share a little bit about his story, but I just love watching him and, and seeing him pour into people's lives and helping them become who God is calling them to be. And, and Rob is really somebody that I, I reached out. The first thing I thought of this, I called Rob, and Rob, I go, hey, Rob, I don't know if you'll feel comfortable. And he's like, you know I won't feel comfortable. But he said he'd do it because he loves me. So, Rob, will you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, your background, and all the, uh, just about you? Sure. Well, first of all, let me correct. He didn't ask me if I'd feel comfortable. He goes, are you comfortable speaking at church? And I said, are you asking me to speak at church, or are you asking me if I'm comfortable speaking at church? And he goes, will you speak? And I said, yes, but I'm not comfortable. I don't particularly care to talk about myself very much, but, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. And uh, as a young man, as I was starting out my business career, uh, what spoke to me in the Bible that I sort of try to live my life by personally and professionally is Micah 6.8. And it, it says, you know, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. So as I set out my business career, you know, that, that was me. That's how I lived my life. But through my 20s and in my early 30s, uh, I worked for a coffee company. I dealt with large corporations all over the country, Hilton Hotels, McDonald's, uh, just to name a few. And throughout my 20s, I started setting goals for myself, and they were all financial goals. I said, if I could only make X number of dollars by the time I'm 30, I will be successful. I have made it. And when I hit those goals, they were very empty and hollow at the end of the day, and I'd reflect on that and said, well, there's got to be more to this than what I'm doing. And in my early 30s at that same company, I had moved up to vice president of the company, was making great money, uh, wasn't particularly very happy in the work that I was doing because I felt like there was more in life than, than what I was doing. And, you know, we have a funny God. He has a way of sometimes nudging you, and other, t other times he has a way of, you know, slapping you upside the head. And he came to me and said that it, it was time to move on. And so I was a vice president making significant dollars, and uh, there was a small coffee company up in Seattle just starting to come on the scene back in the 90s called Starbucks. And so I left my job in security of a high-paying vice president's job and went to work at Starbucks at an entry-level position. Fast forward five years, I was promoted three times, and I was running the eastern third of the country for Starbucks. Uh, but again, sort of lost track of the people side of things where uh, God had called me to, to move out of my comfort zone to where I could reach more people, build relationships, and help people grow and develop and help, help their dreams come true, if you will. So after five years with Starbucks, I decided to resign and uh, pursue other opportunities outside of Starbucks. And that's how we ended up in Arizona. I actually was recruited to come and run development for Coldstone Creamery out here in the valley and help build uh, that, that system up to about 1,000 stores. Now, Coldstone's a franchisor. They sell franchises, and people will cash in their children's college fund, their 401ks, they'll borrow money, they'll mortgage their house to, to own a franchise. So when you're helping people get in business and, and helping them with having their dreams come true, you have a, an, a really awesome responsibility to do the right thing and do right by them. And that's where, really at that time, I felt my calling to help people and help people's dreams come true really sort of solidified. Uh, unfortunately, the company had got bought and I was out of work for a second time. And uh, 
ultimately ended up uh, getting offered a job with a company called Steak and Shake out of uh, Indiana. And uh, this was a, an opportunity where I swore that I'd never chase money again. I'd always find a job that were fulfilling my purpose to help others. But just this one time, I felt like I could make an exception because the money that they were offering me was life-changing. It was really life-changing. And so uh, I made a decision to accept an offer with the company uh, to run development for them. Well, the week before I was to start that job, uh, their parent company bought a publication called Maxim Magazine. Maxim Magazine is, uh, for lack of a better term, sort of a, a bit of a smut magazine, not, not the most Christian uh, publication around. And so in that moment, I had a life-changing decision to make. Was I going to compromise my values for the dollar, or, or was I going to stand on my principles? And so I made a decision before I even started that job to resign. That was the third time in my lifetime that I had to call my wife up until I was out of work. Now, when you gave up that job, you gave a significant signing bonus. Yeah, you know, I don't like to talk about that, just, but Jeremiah wants me to well, I want out. people to know, like, this, it's, you gave up a lot, more money than I've ever given up. The signing bonus just to join the company was $100,000. All I had to do was go to work there. Now, I did think about going to work there for a week or two just to collect that check and then resign. But obviously, that wouldn't have been the right thing to do. So I was out of work. Uh, several months down the road, I got a call from an industry colleague that said there was a company in Omaha that was looking for a president. It was a coffee company. It was a Christian-owned company and uh, ended up uh, going to work for that company and running their uh, coffee company. When I got there, it was a fairly small coffee company. had under 75 or 80 stores. I had built a little bit of a reputation of, of scaling and building companies, and so was able to go in, put a team together, and that company, you know, today has 300 locations around the country. Uh, but, again, I was uh, well compensated, enjoyed working there, and was able to really uh, connect with a lot of people and feel like influence a lot of uh, younger people starting out their career to help them, you know, get on track with their life. One particular situation there, I had a a gentleman that worked for me in the marketing department, he was in an entry-level position. Uh, I remember meeting with uh, various members of the teams over the course of the years I was there. I would have lunch and learns and invite uh, folks in just to chat about their life, what their dreams and aspirations were, and looking for ways that I could help them achieve their goals and personal goals. And uh, Vince was a guy that came in, I just always felt like he was underachieving, even though he was doing his job, he just felt like he had so much more to give. And so I met with him one-on-one -on -one and asked him about, you know, what was holding back. And he just, he said, you know, this, I'm not passionate about this job. Uh, you know, I love working here, love working for you, but it's just not what I feel my calling is. And I said, well, what do you feel like, you know, you're being pulled towards? And he goes, I'd love to get into youth ministry. And I said, well, what's the holdup? And he goes, well, money. Well, because of my experience, I could share some stories about money and, and making decisions based on money. So long story short, Vince ended up, uh, going away for a few weeks, like continued to work, but came back to me literally a few weeks to a month later and said that he had found a position in youth ministry. It didn't pay quite what he needed to take care of him and his family, but he was going to go with a leap of faith and go for it. And then proud to say that several months later he had been promoted. He's now running all youth ministry at the church and making more money than he ever worked, you know, working for me. You know, I think that speaks even true to the, my illustration. Like once he took that step and got uncomfortable and got planted, he actually could prosper. You know, if, if you had to sum up your purpose in, in a sentence, what would you say that is, Rob? Well, for me, I, I just want to make the, a difference in the lives of others. And being in the franchise business, in the business world, you know, I, I'm, I get to see people's dreams come true all the time. People trust me. They make large investments to open restaurants with my company. And uh, with that comes the responsibility of doing right by them. And being able to tell people no or direct them in other ways to, uh, for their career or in their life allows me to uh, put a face to faith 
So when people look at me, I want them to see Christ in me. And in doing so, it allows me in the business world, while, while I'm not working in a Christian company, if you will, I'm allowed to uh, share my faith. Uh, when there's crisis or challenges or tough decisions to be made, uh, I'm consistent and, and hopefully do it with mercy. And as a result, uh, I think more and more people uh, see Christ and I plant seeds along the way to hopefully uh, ultimately lead them to Christ in, in my work world. Rob, how, how, can you give us uh, uh, one story of how you've put face to faith at your work? Where maybe somebody, you're going through something and, and you're able to share, this is how I'm able to make it through it. I don't know if there's one story. You know, Jeremiah asked me about, like, difficult decisions I make. I don't feel like any decisions I make are difficult. I think there's some very major decisions that I've made in my life and in my work life. But if you're consistent and you, and you act with integrity and you put people first, you know, one of my sayings is people before profit. And if you put people first and you put their needs first and you serve their needs, they'll return uh, that back to you tenfold. And so I've been blessed to be meet with success in a, a lot of different positions in the corporate world. But it's all a result of the people that worked with me that delivered those results. And I just know in, in this day and age, if people know you care about them, you know, people don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. And if you do that and put them first, they'll run through brick walls for you. So I've, I've you know, I've been rewarded uh, both in the career and financially for delivering great results. And I have very little to do with it. It's always been the people that work with me. Rob, I'm sure there's people in this room that are really going, you know, what? I, I'd love to live my job and live on purpose, whatever job they're at. What are some things maybe you could tell them right now? If you were to give them just a few things saying, you know, here's how you could live and be more on purpose with how you're living with your faith at your work. Yeah, I think that for me, every time I've made decisions, personal decisions, and I've, I've done it on my own, I've been wrong every time. And so God has slapped me upside the head and humbled me a few times when I've needed it. And so sometimes, you know, I know one of Jeremiah's favorite quotes is, Bible verses is, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes you just have to listen because they're not always big signs. They're not always, you know, going to be uh, fireworks in the sky. Sometimes they're very subtle little signals and you just got to keep walking through those doors and ultimately you're going to find the greatest gift ahead of you. Thank you so much, Rob. Will you guys please thank Rob for his time. Thanks, sir. So I want to give you three things, three things that, you, that can help you understand and fulfill your purpose. Three simple things. Number one, define what you are passionate about. Define what you're passionate about. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in him. Find delight in God. You know, so many of us, we're finding, we're finding delight in this pot. But like I said... If this is it, this tree will die. So define what you're passionate about. What drives you? What wakes you up in the morning? What, what wakes you up in the middle of the night and you just think, I've got to get this done? Many of times our passion is connected to what we are, our purpose is connected to what we're passionate about. And when you find that, go and do it. This week, I, it was a crazy stressful week for me. I just had a lot going on. And you never plan for those kind of weeks. You just don't. And so for me, what I had to do is I didn't have to define my passion or my purpose. I, I know it. But I had to define what am I struggling with right now. So I actually went home and I typed out all the things heavy on my heart. So that I knew better how to pray. Because it helped. And so define what you're passionate about. Number two, define what you're good at. What are you good at? Are, are you, Rob is a great multiplier and seeing value in people, saying, okay, let's help your dream come true. So he's, he, right, I'm, next week I'm interviewing a friend of mine named Trace, and I said, Trace is asking me these business questions. I'm like, Trace, I can help you with the faith. Rob can help you in business. 
And so next week we're going to, uh, we're, we're, um, I'm interviewing Trace, and he's going to share about some things that Rob has taught him about how to multiply and how to, how do you got to cut some things so you can do more things. So to find what you're good at, there's a difference between a hobby and a purpose. Many of us love to do things, but they may not be the best or we may not be the best at them. I like to play sports, but I'll be honest, I don't think I have a chance in professional athletics. My time passed probably about two years ago. So number one, define what you're passionate about. Number two, define what you're good at. Number three, what trusted feedback do you regular, regularly receive from others? What are people telling you? I mean, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. And, and listen. Listen to that feedback. You see, I had people in my life saying, Jeremiah, we can see a call of God on your life. You are called to be a pastor. Like, so when one day that day came when I felt like I, I'm, I'm there and I feel like God's saying, okay, Jeremiah, this is what I'm calling you to do. Like, for me, it's all this feedback. So people might be saying to you, you you'd be a great teacher. You'd be a great teacher. And you're going, have you seen their paychecks? You would be a great financial person. You'd be a great businessman. You'd be a great construction. You'd be a great this and that. You see, we can, we can put our lives wrapped up in some title, but the reality is you, when you live for God, there's so much freedom. So what voices are you listening to? You see, if I plant this tree one foot away from a whole bunch of lemon trees, will this tree survive? You know what's going to happen? They're going to choke each other out. But did you know trees and plants need companion plants? Did you know that? Did you know that there are actually plants that help other plants grow more? And so you need to surround yourself with people that are going to help you grow and help you become who God is calling you to be. It is important that we have a firm grasp on both our general and our specific purpose. Our purpose, when you know it, when you know your life is to live for the Lord, and you know your purpose, like, like Rob's, is to help people's dreams come true, then he knows, man, if I'm in a job and I'm just working day to day and I'm not helping people fulfill their dreams, then I need to quit again. I mean, the first time I met him, he's telling me how many times he quit jobs. I'm like, you give away how much money? But you see, when you know your call, it's easy to say, I'm done here. It's easy to say no to this and yes to this when you, go, when you know God is saying, do this. See, remember my wife's tree. We could have left it in that pond because my wife was too scared to make any drastic changes <clears throat> because she was. She loved the tree. But like Adam said, Jeremiah, if you don't plant it, it will die. So I say to you again, if you're not planted in God as a husband, as a mom, as a young person, as a woman, as a man, if you are not planted in God, you're just trying to live life in your little pot and say, but I feel okay, you will die. But when you put your faith in God, Everything changes. He gives you life, life everlasting. How does Rob know when to say yes and when to say no? Because his faith guides him. Because he's rooted in the Lord. And when an opportunity comes that he knows, it's a mag. they say, hey, we, and actually what he told me is his son called him and said, dad, you still going to work for that company? He goes, why? Well, they just bought Maxim Magazine. And he told his son, his son is testing him. He said, well, I guess I have to quit. You see, when your faith, when you are planted, because what would have happened if he would have stayed there? Little by little, he would have died. Little by little, his family would have died. Little by little, his sons would have lost more respect for him. When you make a move like that, your kids know, man, he's standing on the, he's, he's rooted. 
Your family knows he's rooted. Your employees know he's different. And the Lord says, let me bless you with more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for today. God, I know that there are some people in this room right now sitting in seats, uncomfortable. They're comfortable in their pot, but they realize if they're not planted that they're going to die. Lord, I pray that right now you would shake them enough and you help them to know it's going to be okay if they trust in you. That you are going to bless them more than they could ever imagine or think. And if that's you right now, if you are sitting there going, I know I'm that plant in that pot, and I've been putting my trust in myself, in the humans around me, in my job, in my own abilities, and I know that I'm dying. I'm dying as a dad. I'm dying as a mom. I'm dying as a man. I'm dying as a woman. I'm dying as a person. I'm dying on the inside because I can't, I, I'm, not, I'm stunted in my growth. If that's you, take a step of faith. Trust in God and watch Him bless you. And if that's a step you want to take today, I ask that you pray with me. You can pray quietly to yourself, out loud, doesn't matter, whatever you want, but pray with me if you know that if you're not planted in the truths of God, you will die. That is a truth. I don't lie. If that's a step you need to take, if you want to join this adventure, this adventure of following God, because that's what it is, following Jesus with my life, it has been an adventure. And I have seen God do amazing, crazy things, but it's uncomfortable. But it's the best decision I've ever made. So if you'd like to make that decision, pray with me right now. Say, dear God, I give up. God, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to trust you, Jesus, with my life. I don't know what this really looks like, but I don't want to die. I want to be the man or the woman that you've called me to be. So I put my trust in you. Help me where I can't. Help me in my doubts. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, you are good. You're a good God doing good things. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.